This podcast is brought to you by Legacy Power. Gain insight from speakers around the country in essential areas of our lives. Each episode will cover various topics on productivity, family and friend relationships, physical and mental well-being, finance, leadership, and overall self-help. All right, I'm really excited to be with you, Jason. Uh, so excited that you join us on the Become Podcast, where we help people become the best versions of themselves and talk through that. And uh, we're so grateful that you take the time to be with us. Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me, Doug. Yeah, for sure. So, for all of the listeners out there, if you don't know Jason, I'm sorry. Uh, this guy <laughs> is amazing, and. He's not a Navy SEAL, otherwise he'd talk all about himself. I wouldn't stop Because um, that's, that's what they do. Um, no, we, we, we love we love. Oh, them. I love Navy SEALs. We love Navy SEALs, right? my team. They're great. They're great. But Jason is, uh, has had a career as a, in the U.S. Army as a Green Beret. That's right. And um, one of the things I love about the culture, as I've kind of studied a little bit, is that Green Berets, they, they don't come in and tell you. And you don't know much about them, and you don't know about their medals. So I've done some digging, and I'm going to talk about you a little bit. But Jason, you got a bronze star, right, with a, a, a V for valor, which, which again, you're going to have to educate us on this a little bit. Two bronze stars during three rotations. Um, you were in the Middle East and in Africa. That's right. Um, uh, graduated from West Point and BYU. I mean, th- these are all like the top-ranked things and accomplishments that you can do. So... Maybe talk to us about a little bit about this. Not about yourself, but but some of your journey and, and some of these experiences that you've had. That's a great question. So the Green Berets are our nickname is the Quiet Professionals. So, so it's kind of been internalized in our culture not to talk about ourselves. Um, but I find it's a lot easier to talk about my team, the people that I have at my company, Mission Six Zero, and when I was, you know, a detachment commander, a commander in, in the special forces, it was easy for me to to talk about my team and market them. You know, uh, for me, like my whole mindset, ever since I was little was deliberate discomfort. And I wrote a book about that, right? And to me, it was about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. It's about identifying what's hard for me, what's difficult for me, what I'm afraid of, you know, and taking a moment to observe that and kind of attack that. Right, so we were just talking about how you just started this podcast. You're like, hey, I don't know if this is my jam. I don't know if this is something I'd be good at or I want to do, but you did it. It was uncomfortable for you, but you're attacking it. Right. You know, you're enjoying it more and more. You're getting better at it day after day, and pretty soon you're going to be like, you know, number one downloaded podcast on on uh, Apple or iTunes. You know, like that's how it's going to go, man. If you just continue to work at it. And so for me, you know, I. Didn't know really a whole lot about the military growing up. And West Point was an opportunity that kind of presented itself to me. And it, you know, it's the number one you know, college university academy in the United States, consistently according to Forbes. And uh, I decided to go. And I would play football up there, mainly because you know, I was too small to play at the bigger schools. You know, um, But that was a lot of fun. Um, very, very difficult. And then yeah, sure. when I went to the military, it was kind of like, you know, if I'm going to join the military, I want to try to be the best at it that I can be. Right. You're going to go all, all in. Yeah. Why not? Why else are you there if you're not in it to try yeah. to be the best you can be? You know? Um, and so Ranger School uh, was something that I looked at and I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. This is incredibly difficult. They, they, 
two and a half months at a minimum in the woods by yourself, you know, like with your team, like running through scenarios, carrying a, you know, 100 pound rucksack up and down mountains for two and a half months. Like, uh, yeah, uh, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. <laughs> you know, I decided to do that. I decided to then try out for special forces and I did that. And although it was uncomfortable, it was painful, it was tough, I loved every second of it. So when you started, you didn't necessarily know where the journey would take you. Did you know the destination that you, or, or did it sort of just evolve? Or did you specifically know, no, I'm gonna be a Green Beret and I'm gonna be out and I'm gonna get these medals and like, how, how did that? I think some people that? do think that. Some people go into it thinking, I'm going to be a general, and here's my path. Yeah, here's right. My template, yeah. And this is how it's exactly. going to happen. I didn't have that mentorship, and I didn't have that mindset. My mindset was, uh, I love telling stories. I love collecting stories. And so if this experience is going to give me an opportunity to tell a funny story at some point in my life, I'm all in. Yeah. No matter what yeah, it is. Yeah, right? just all in. I love it. So Ranger School, like how it happened was, we were at an officer basic course at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And my buddy Andy was like, Jason, they're doing um, an interview, kind of a, a presentation, a Rangers in the presentation after school. You know, let's go, let's listen to a man, let's become Rangers. And my immediate thought was, nah, I'm not, I'm not interested. Like, those guys are crazy, man. Like, I have no interest in doing that. And Andy was like, come on, man, it'll be awesome. Me and you, we'll go do it together. We'll be running and gunning, man. And I was like, okay. So I went to the presentation. And after it was done, the ranger was like, okay, if you guys are interested, you know, 4 a.m. tomorrow morning, you guys meet me over at this park, and we're going to do PT, physical training. Yeah. And I was like, 4 a.m.? Yeah, like, <laughs> so, like is, this, is this happening? And we're going to be doing this for the next six months, waking up at 4 a.m. every yeah. day. And so I show up. Yep. 120 people showed up. Which isn't know? that part of it, just show up. It's the first step, man. First step, right? And but you showed up. It's the hardest yeah. step. Yeah. So I showed up. 120 people were there. The, the one person that wasn't there was, was Andy. Yeah. He didn't show up. And, uh, and so we go through like two hours of intense physical training. And I was furious. And I went back to the barracks. And I knocked on Andy's door, pounded on his door. He woke up and answered the door. His boxers. I'm like, hey, bud. Like, where were you? He's like, oh man, 4 a.m. came so early, bro. Like, I couldn't wake up. And so, like you said, man, some of the hardest things you do, what the hardest thing you do oftentimes is, is just showing up. And uh, flash forward, you know, to Ranger School graduation of the 120 people that were there on day one, 12 people went to Ranger School and three people graduated. And I was one of the three. It's amazing, man. That's amazing. And, and, and I'm sure you have stories for days. I want to I want to pivot a little bit. You mentioned uh, Mission Six Zero. Yeah. So Mission Six Zero is your company. It's it's uh, you know what you believe in, what you're passionate in. Give us yeah. a quick uh, sort of overview. Mission Six Zero, what it is, what it means to you, what it is to you, and and uh, what you're trying to accomplish there. So that's a great question. So Mission Six Zero is a leadership development company, and I feel like if you want to be the best, then you have to learn from the best, and. In my military career, I've worked with some, you know, I, I believe some of the best leaders that have ever existed. And I've had some of the best leaders that have been on my team that have worked for me. Yeah. And then also peers of mine. And when I went to get my MBA at BYU, they gave us an opportunity to start a business and compete and everything. Yeah. And I thought, you know, like, if I'm going to start a business, I should do something I'm knowledgeable about, I'm 
passionate about what is that? Well, I just spent the last you know 15 years in the military, you know, a lot about leadership and team building and going to combat. I wonder if this could apply to businesses. And so I brought all these guys together in a room essentially, and I said, Hey guys, here's my idea. What do you think? And they were all in. And I kind of felt like like Mikey from the Goonies. You know what I mean? Goonies never died. Yeah, never died. Like the all in. Yeah. Where's what I really treasure? I don't know, but we're gonna get there somehow. We're gonna get there somehow. We're gonna get there. Uh, I've got a map. I've got a rock with three holes in it. That's all I got. Let's figure it out. Let's go. You know. So that's how it went down for me. Well, that's awesome, man. So, so leadership development is something that you're passionate about, then, and and you have been. Talk to me about that. Why, why is that passionate to you? Is there an experience or a story or a reason why leadership, you wanted to have this organization that, by the way, I've done some of your, your leadership development. It's top notch. I mean, Thanks. this stuff, the experiential learning that, that you put people through and what you're all about, I think it's awesome. But, but why, why leadership? I had this epiphany. So one of my closest friends is Nate Boyer, and he's in Chapter yeah. 11 yeah. of Delivered Discomfort. Uh, he's an amazing dude. We went through the Special Forces Qualification course together, and then we were at 10 Special Forces together. We deployed to combat together. And uh, he was at my house one lazy Sunday, and he's like, hey, bro, this story's in the book as well. He's like, I'm, I'm getting out of the military. I'm like, what are you going to do? I'm going to college. Awesome. If you're going to go get out of the military, going to college is a great idea. Where are you going? Uh, Texas or University of South Southern California. And I said, okay, why? They have the best college football programs at the time they did. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, well, you can't pick college because they got college football. What are you going to study? What are you going to do? He's like, no, you don't get it. I'm going to play college football, Jay. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, you're five ten. He's like, I'm five eleven. I'm like, you're white. He's like, oh, granted. Okay. I know, like, you're 175 pounds. He's like, I'm actually 160 pounds. I'm like, okay. Well, what did you play in high school? He's like, I didn't play football in high school. I'm like. Okay, like what did you play? Like you like, <laughs> you know, just like checking down the list. Yeah. Okay, you know, like what did you play in popcorn when you were a kid? Oh, my mom wouldn't let me play when I was a kid. Have you ever played football before? Well, you know, like in the park, man. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, like, and you want to play college football? He's like, well, yeah, you played college football. I was hoping you could help me out. And I was like, if anybody could do it, it's you. And I'll help you out. And so I trained him up, and uh, he got it to. University of Texas, walked onto the team with like 200 other guys. It's amazing. Made the team, only got to make it out of uh, spring ball, only walk on to make it. And um, he, during his freshman year, was playing some special teams as a true freshman. He was running out of the tunnel with the flag and everything. And, and uh, I went down to see him during Veterans Day. And they were playing the Oklahoma um, State Cowboys, and they got crushed. And they had a guy named Justin Black and scored like six touchdowns on him. You know, it was embarrassing. And UT was four and six at the end of the day. And the year before, they went to the national championship. And so we were kind of hanging out in the locker room. And we got some access from Nate and everything. And uh, I was giving Nate a hard time. I was like, hey, Boyer, you know, you you come to Texas and you guys go four and six, man. Like, what's the deal? Like, last year, you guys are in the championship. Just teasing him a little bit. As a good friend, right? And he's like, you know what, Jason? Like, we have guys on the team right now that can run four three forties. We've got guys that can jump out of the gym. Guys that can bench press five hundred pounds. The talent is there. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, so what's the problem? 
He's like, listen, man, like being a Green Beret and going to combat and, and being around true leadership, I can tell you that they have no leadership on this team. Interesting. And I said, well, interesting. I said the same thing. Okay, well, tell me more about that. He said, you know, really that's what it comes down to. You know, the difference between going to the national championship and, and being 4-6 is leadership. We virtually have the same team that we had last year. We're missing a couple of starting offensive linemen and our starting quarterback from last year. But that's it. Everybody's still the same. And I said, well, why don't you step up and lead? He's like, well, listen, like, I don't play. You know, I'm a true freshman. Like, at some point, I'm going to step up and be able to be that guy, hopefully, but not right now. And that's when the epiphany occurred for Nate and I. We're like, leadership, man. It's the defining point between winning and losing, you know? And so that's why we wanted to start Mission Six Zero because of that experience. That's so awesome. So what does this book, you got this book, Deliberate Discomfort, yeah. Um, amazing book, by the way. Uh, there's some absolute gems in here. Um, if you haven't got a copy, get a copy. Uh, you've got to read this book. Um, but in this book, you go from Mission Six Zero, leadership development, leadership is your focus, and then you say, I'm going to write this book, and the title itself, Deliberate Discomfort. Yeah. Um, how, how does deliberate discomfort and leadership tie together? So when you're a leader, you're consistently, you're constantly doing things that you, you don't want to do that are uncomfortable. You're telling people no. You're having to learn new things. And I think what it comes down to is, is your ability to get comfortable being uncomfortable will determine your success in life. Yeah. You know, I have got a nine-month-old son, and I see him every day. Like, he's at the point right now where he's learning to walk. And so he holds himself up against the table a little bit, tries to take a step, falls down, hits his head, cries. He's in pain, you know, but something is inherent inside of him. Something's built into him that drives him to want to do more, to grow, to improve, to walk one day. And I think all that is inside of us as well, you know, mm, and yeah. along the line somewhere, like we embrace comfort. We embrace our safe space. We want to sit at home and play video games wow. or, you know, not have those conversations, not start that dialogue with people. And I think that's, you know, really that's what the point of the book is about. It's about facing your fears, whatever it might be, doing things that are hard for you, because what's hard for you might not be hard for me and vice versa. Right, absolutely. Some people will tell you, wake up at 4 a.m. and go work out. I wake up at 4 a.m. and go work out. It's not hard for me. Yeah. It's not hard for right. me. Go take a cold shower. It's not hard for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not accepting deliberate discomfort. That's right. just doing things that I like doing. Yeah. But there's plenty of other things that I, I don't like doing. Like, I don't like accounting. I hate it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, sitting down doing the books, like, can somebody else do this for me, please? Yeah. And so I have to learn to accept that so I can get good at that. And I think, you know, that's that's the point of, of life, really. That's awesome. You know, I think of all my sales leaders. I think all over the country and in our company and, I think about, you know, the fear of COVID-19. Yeah. And I've watched some leaders have really adapted and pivoted and they're doing virtual sales and they're getting on Zoom calls with their guys all the time every day and encouraging, you know, all of their salespeople to continue yes. to go say it. And they're, they're taking action and they weren't good at Zoom calls or they weren't good at virtual selling, but they just showed up and they took action and they were leading. But I've watched some of our other leaders 
that have done the exact opposite. Yeah. And, and they haven't done that. And I think that's what you're talking about is this leadership, like the difference between people that are showing up and taking action. And they may be fearful of something. It may be uncomfortable doing a virtual sale. But if you show up and you do it and it's deliberate, now all of a sudden you go close a deal and you close another deal and you build the skill set that you didn't otherwise have, right? I mean, that's, that's what you're, you're talking about. That's exactly happening. what I'm talking about. So if you find yourself saying, I don't want to do that, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I kind of have to do that. That's what deliberate that, that, That's what about. it is. That's where you got to hit it. Social media for me, I hate it. I, I don't yeah, want to yeah. be on it. Like it's frustrating. Right. But I gotta do it. But you gotta do it. You I gotta reach. learn to get good because, at it. Because look, you're 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 a leader. You've got yeah. a book, you've got mission six zero, you wanna get this out in the world, no better yeah. medium than social media. Exactly. But maybe but you're uncomfortable with it, so you gotta embrace it, it, right? I don't want people to tell me negative things. I don't want people to like uh, put you yourself know, out I'll there. Do, you're all by yourself, like I don't wanna do any of that, but I can You don't wanna be a Navy SEAL. You wanna <laughs> <laughs> I decided to shoot a little higher and become a green beret. That's why I decided. That's awesome. I love it. I love it, dude. It's awesome. Um, There's a quote uh, I jotted down. Fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. I love that. That, like, resonated with me when I read that. So tell me about that. Like, where where does that come from? What inspired you to think that? Like, there's some experiences. But fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. So I heard that somewhere in my life, and I, it stuck with me. And I don't know who originally said that or whatever, but it stuck with me. And I was like, man, that's something that I can live, yeah. live by to help me, to remind me to use so that I can overcome whatever fear I have. You know, and I think, you know, we talked about it earlier. Your business model is helping other people become the best person that they can be, mm-hmm. helping them achieve their dreams. Right. And that's thereby right. you can achieve what your vision is and legacy. And I think the same thing uh, on a team is when you help your team accomplish whatever they want to accomplish, they help you accomplish whatever you want to accomplish back. It's almost counterintuitive. It almost doesn't make sense. And I'll tell you a quick story. Um, It's a little deep. My friend Cameron lives down here. And uh, when I was getting married five years, five years ago, um, I'd never been married before. and I was asking my friends, hey, got any advice? Like, what do you think? You know, and I was getting lots of good advice. And Cameron gave me some stuff to think about. And, uh, and one of the things he said was, marriage is easy, man. It's so easy. Here's all you have to do. And I said, okay, cool. Flash forward five years. Um, a few months ago, we were having lunch at Slapfish. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, right there. And, uh, and he's like, you know, Jay, I got to tell you something, man. I'm getting a divorce. I'm like, wow, man. My mind's blown. Like, what do you right. Getting divorced, thought you and the wife were a perfect couple. He's like, no, you know, like uh, it's it's done, man. Like I walked into my house only a few days ago, and she was in the kitchen. The kids were playing, and uh, she just matter of factly told me, "Hey, I'm I'm leaving you. I've been cheating on you for well over a year, and uh, it's over, and I'm out." And he noticed that her bags were packed by the door. I think originally he said he thought she was joking. She walked over the door, she grabbed her bag, she was walking out the door, and Cameron was panicking a little bit. He was like, "What? hey, we'll, I'll go to counseling, I'll do anything, we've got kids, like, let's save the marriage, like, what do you need me to do? She kept walking, and, and finally she stopped after Cameron was pleading with her, and she said, okay, listen, for the sake of the kids, you know, I'm gonna give you one chance. Just one chance, 
you tell me what my dream is. You tell me what my, my vision for my life is, what I've always wanted to do with my life. If you can tell me that right now, I'll stay. And he kind of looked at her and he just shrugged his shoulders like, you know, how? And she turned around and she got in the car and left. Wow. And, and Karen wow. was telling me this. And he's like, you know, like, I remember when I told you that marriage was easy? And I was like, yeah, I remember that. You know, I remember that very vividly, you telling me that. He's like, well, it was really easy for me, but it wasn't easy for her. And taking the time to ask her, you know, not focusing on yourself, because you get wrapped up in business, you got wrapped right, up in life, stuff, you know, all yeah, this stuff going right. on, you kind of neglect your spouse, and you don't have those conversations, you don't communicate, you know, and and she has her own thing going on, she has her own vision, her own dream, what things she wanted to accomplish, and she didn't have that 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 avenue to, to kind of discuss yeah. that. And so I think that if you can take the time to ask your spouse, you know, hey, what's your dream, what's your vision, it'll do you really well. And, and this is exactly what it's you're really doing powerful. at Legacy. Really you're asking each of your employees, hey, you know, you may or may not have a vision, a dream to sell door to door. What is your dream? What is your vision? What do you want to do? Let me help you accomplish that. And while I'm helping you, you're going to help me by doing this. That's so awesome. What's the legacy you want to leave? Yeah. Right? What's the legacy we, we want to leave together as a couple or whatever that might be? I, I, I love that spot. Yeah. You, you're nailing it. I'm looking at your, your mission statement on the, on the TV behind us, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great, man. So um, I, I, chapter five, I love chapter five. I don't know, The Fog of War. Fog of War um, with Joe Cerna and Sarah Spradlin. Yeah, yeah man. Um, one of the things that, and, and I jotted this down, that stood out to me, and I, I just love your thoughts on it. There's a quote in there that says, my reaction is my strength, mm. right? We, you've got all these things coming at us. Um, in, in there, it talks about racism. It talks about, um, you know, sexism or all these different things that, that could, could happen out there. All these things yeah. that could come at different people. And... It talks about in there, my reaction is my strength and learning to not react emotionally, but sort of, you know, water off a duck's back, just, just kind of roll with it. Like talk, talk to me about that principle and the importance of that. I love that principle. And, um, that's something that's so unique about the special forces. And I wish that society could embrace this because we no longer would be offended at everything and indignant and feeling like we're victims all the time. Like when we join a team in the special forces, like we know we're going to combat. We know we have to trust each other. We know like our lives depend on the guy to our left and to our right. And so all of our cards are on the table. I mean, we throw it all out there, like, you know, completely naked. Here, here I am, yeah, here you just, are. Hey, this is it. let's get yeah. it all out there. And one of the things that you do is you kind of try to find out what the triggers are for everybody else on the team. For some people, it's racism. And so if you find that out, oh, we're gonna hit you with racism. Like, oh, yeah, oh we're, right. are we racist? No, but we're gonna hit you with it. Well, you know, are you homophobic? Oh, we're gonna just- We're coming out, we're coming at, coming at. You know, and so that's no longer a problem for you. Yeah. Are you, whatever it is that, that you're, um, you're weak in, we're gonna make that weakness a strength, right? And what you find is when guys first experience this, you know, they push back. They're defensive. They're in the defensive oh, posture. Oh, man, I can, I can just imagine. You know, just pushing, 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 pushing. And it gets so consistent and just hammering in 
these messages that finally you're like, you realize it's an epiphany in a lot of ways. You're like, why am I fighting? Why am I, why is this bothering me? Like, that's not strength, that's weakness. Like, my reaction is my strength. And if I choose not to react, then they stop talking. They yeah. stop bothering you. They stop it. Right. I mean, you learn it in kindergarten. Yeah, people yeah, call right. you names. Right. You know, like, it's just inherently built into us as, as humans. Like, when you get a reaction out of somebody, for whatever reason, we want to get more reactions out of you. But if you stop caring, then they stop caring, and it no longer exists. Right. It's such a simple principle when you think about it in kindergarten, right? Yeah. And we, we can all, I think most can relate to that idea of the bully or whatever you can relate. But yeah. as life goes on, I think we lose sight of that a little bit of, wait, what are my triggers? Yeah. What? How am I responding? What are those points in business that might come up where I overreact and, and how do I control those emotions, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's part of it, learning learning to handle that that reaction and have it be your strength. I love that. So your experiences help you deal with that. And then oftentimes you need a mentor. You need someone to help you with that too. You know, it's a, like if you're getting too cocky, you know, if you're getting a little too arrogant, well, you go out with your buddies and your buddies kind of bring you back down to reality. And you're like, okay, you know, they shot me down a few, a few targets and yep. I'm okay now. I'm normal again, you know? Um, but that's just life. You know, that's how you should be living life. Yeah. So I'm going to pivot a little bit, Jason. We, uh, you and I reconnected. Um, you actually at a charity event. I don't know if you remember this. You gave away like a, a trip to um, the Dominican Republic at a oh, charity yeah. event. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Sure. Um, and I was at the charity event, and I bought the the package to go to the Dominican Republic. I don't know if I told you this I yet. I did not know that. But no. it was through your organization and your giving, and I wanted to give back to a great cause with Steve Zolman and, and Tiny Hero. Yeah. But um, so that's where I saw, and I was like, it's Jason, like, I got to reconnect with this guy. Fast forward a couple of weeks later, I get a call on a Thursday. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, <laughs> do you want to go on a private plane to the Super Bowl? Yeah. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Like, like, and uh, I didn't know who's going to be there. I knew nobody on this plane, but I got an invite somehow, which is a whole nother story. But I show up there, and and I just want to talk about this experience. Um, tell us about the Super Bowl and this private plane, and what that experience was like for you. Yeah, that was that was a special experience, man. I'm glad you were there. Uh, we work with a lot of NFL teams, and one of the NFL teams we work with is uh, Minnesota Vikings, and so we were able to. Uh, kind of leverage our relationships to get some tickets to the Super Bowl. And we went there. So really, you know, really good tickets. We got, oh, yeah. You know, awesome. Really, really good tickets. And my buddy Luke, sorry, we were mission companions in St. Petersburg, Russia. You know, we've been lifelong friends. He's my best friend. He lives in Highland. Um, he sold his company for like 50 mil or whatever yeah. uh, last year. So he's a huge 49ers fan. Yeah. Huge. And so he's like, if the 49ers go to the Super Bowl, I'm counting on you to get me tickets. And so I did. And he's like, I'll take care of everything else. That's I'm awesome. Like, okay, well, what do you got planned? Uh, he got Dave Lane's private jet, yeah. you know, um, which was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, man. Green smoothies, you know, like food. It was the whole awesome. Thing. We gambled the whole way down there. So much fun. Listening to uh, Gangster's Paradise on loop, <laughs> <laughs> which was crazy. And then, uh, you know, he got a high-rise hotel on the beach. I'm not sure which beach we were at, but we were, you know, 
It's awesome. We did that, and then we were, oh, we were roommates, man. Like, oh, bro, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. So that was fun, man. It was a good time. But one of the things I learned from that, because I, I didn't, I didn't know Luke that well going into the trip. Um, you and I hadn't connected for a while, but yeah. I found myself amongst these people that were just like, right now, if I run into any of them. It's like they're my boys, they're my people, yeah, yeah. they're my team. Like, like I love these guys, you know. And and uh, leads me into, you know, the power of a team. And I think that's chapter two, if I'm if I'm that's not right. mistaken. You, right. you talk about the team. Can you talk maybe a little bit about that of the team and leadership and how all those things come together. Yeah. So, uh, chapter two is probably my favorite chapter. Um, I I really like the dialogue in, in chapter two and. And uh, we talk about uh, you know, a guy who's a Navy SEAL, a Green Beret, and a Ranger. And he yeah. did all three. And we talk about like which one is the best, what did you learn, you know, and so forth. And you so said the Green Beret is the best, right? He actually, <laughs> actually did it, unfortunately, <laughs> which pisses me off. But teach his own, right? Yeah, teach his own. Teach his own. Uh, you know, so one of the things we talk about is you know, when you go into a team for the first time and you're in charge, you know, you have to make help them understand right off the bat that it's not about you. It's number one about the mission, right? Everyone's got to buy into the mission, the purpose, the why. You know, and then you look at the team. The team, their desires, their wants, their needs. It comes right after the mission. You know, as we say, as a ranger, you know. Um, readily will I display the intestinal fortitude required to fight onto the ranger objective and complete the mission, though I'd be the lone survivor. That's the last stanza of the ranger creed, so that's kind of the mission comes first. And then the team comes second, right? And then the teammates come third, you know, their individual needs, their wants, and so forth. And then finally you as the commander. And so one of the principles that we instill at, at West Point and kind of learn you bring to your teams is officers eat last and that's one of the simplest things you could you could show your guys when you're out in the field and you know you have all these, these mermite chow you know sort of thing and you make sure that they all go through first get their food they're comfortable they're safe they feel good and then you you know it shows them you place their needs above your own right you know um, and then the second principle I would say to that is which is so important and it's a huge differentiator between being on a special forces team and, and corporate America in a lot of a lot of ways is is the, uh, the level of trust. Yeah, you know, trust because um, we gotta trust each other with our lives. You know, and and I think that trust happens in a number of ways. One, when I was at West Point, a popular saying is trust your NCOs. And when I got to my team for the first time, my commander told me the opposite. He said, don't trust your NCOs. I was shocked. I was like, well, Interesting. my whole life, trust my NCOs. Trust them, and now don't work. I'm going to need some clarification. And he goes, listen, how has that worked out for your career thus far? I thought back, and I was like, man, I trusted a lot of NCOs that I probably shouldn't have. And he said, well, listen, you're doing it all wrong. Like, there are good NCOs and bad NCOs in the Army, just like the Special Forces. They're good officers and bad officers. Yeah. You know, like, you need to get to know, I'm going to give an example of a name, you get to know Mike Daniels as a person first. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. And once you trust him as a person, then can you begin to trust Sergeant Daniels? So it's not necessarily just them because they're in that position. It's learning, no, I trust them. Yeah. Their, their character, their, right. yeah. I don't trust, you know, uh, CEO Doug Robinson. I trust my friend Doug Robinson. Right. He's going to do right. the job. I, I know he's going to do it. Yeah. Um, just because they have a title doesn't mean that they're entitled yeah. to be trusted. And so that's the lesson that he was trying to instill in me. And he said, what you do give right off the bat, you have to take that uncomfortable leap of faith and believe in someone. Even though they've given you no reason to, they haven't proven themselves to you, you have to believe in them and they have to believe in you. You know, and that starts the process of trust. Yeah. And the next thing you need to do is instill a follow through. Like, okay, Doug, in order for me to start to trust you, here are some things I need you to do. Here's the timeline when I need you to do it by. Here's yeah. what I expect. Do it. You do it, I'm like, okay, now here's the next thing. And it isn't just like me giving you an order and going away. You say, okay, Jason, like, for example, let's say I was the commander and you were the subordinate. You would say, Jason, I need to trust you as well as the boss. Tell me something that I need to do for you. And then we can build that together. Mm -hmm. So that was one man, of the most so powerful, powerful Yeah, yeah. Still, yeah. still, as you're telling it, I'm like, man, that's, there's some gems in that for sure. That's how you get buy-in from the people on your team. Because we work with a lot of clients that say, Jason, how do I get buy-in from my employees? This is my business. I'm passionate about it. I put my heart and soul into this thing. How do I get my employees to feel the same feel way? The same way. Yeah. Because if they do, then we have really something special. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, in order to get buy-in from them, you have to buy into them first. Right. And I think you're doing a great job of that in practice. That's awesome, man. Um, so you mentioned uh, victims and victimhood yeah. a little bit earlier, like like society and, and, you know, we become victims. How do you think victimhood is impacting us right now? How do you think, how do you see like society evolving and, and where do you see that? And, and if you are in that, can you even see it? I'm, I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on victimhood? It's a disease. It's a cancer. It really pisses me off. You know, I'll tell you, like in in the Middle East, yeah. in the Muslim culture, they have something that they say a lot. It's called inshallah. It means if God allows it, God permits it, right? So I would say, hey, you know, to somebody who's one of my in-groups, uh, commander, yeah. for example, hey, we're going to go attack the enemy tomorrow at 5 a.m. I need you to be here at this location. Instead of kind of that Western mindset of, okay, got it, I'm on it, I'll be there. No excuses. You hear, inshallah. If God permits it, if God allows it. Uh, you can say the same thing, like, oh, hey, we have a, a conference call tomorrow at 3 p.m. Need you to be there, inshallah. If God allows it, if God permits it, I'll be there. And so what essentially they're saying is, hey, listen, there's so many things that are out of my control. I could get stuck in traffic, the alarm clock might not go off. Like, there could be something that I don't even know what's happening, but it's in God's hands. It's not in my hands. And it's so frustrating, Ugh. you know, for the Western mindset. Like, no, there's no, there's no, no, no. You're you, going to be you there. Control, you control You control that. You can, whatever it takes to be there, you're going to be there. I can just see <laughs> commanding <laughs> officer, like, inshallah. No, uh-uh, we're, we're not, not doing this right now. We're not doing inshallah. Not, uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's, 
And so I feel like the people that are victims in America are kind of using that same mindset. Hey, it's out of my control. There's nothing I can do about it. You know, uh, inshallah, it's in God's hands. Yeah, I believe in God, you know, and I'm not an atheist by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, I control what I can control, and, and I can control a lot, a lot more than you, you probably think you can. And at least you can control your reaction. We talked about that, right? Yeah. The reaction is my strength. I mean, all of that. Like, there's so much more we can control if we'll allow ourselves to think that way. Mm. I think that's what, what happens is we become these victim mindsets instead of saying, no, like, I'm accountable. This is on me. This is, like, I'm accountable for everything that happens. And if something goes wrong, well, I chose to be here, so therefore it's my responsibility. Right? I mean, it's just you, you bring it back to, to that accountability instead of that victimhood. That's exactly correct. God helps those who help themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love that. So what advice for, um, you know, somebody listening in who's like, hey, you know, I just really want to become the best version of myself. I, uh, it could be from your book. It could be from Mission Six Zero. They just they feel like something's lacking. They just want to get more out of life. They, they um, desire more. It could be in any area of their life. What, what advice for just becoming or, or growing or development would you have for, for somebody listening in? I love that. So I can't give you like a, a boilerplate statement. Do this. This is all you need to do. Yeah, right. It depends on the person. And so the first thing is, is self-reflection. It's like looking inside of yourself and saying, who am I right now and who do I want to become, right? A lot of times people don't take the time to, you know, in a quiet moment, reflect on that, you know, and to really be honest with themselves. This is who I want to be, okay? Next thing is, what are the obstacles in the way of you achieving that? You know, what's stopping you? And like we talked about before, fear will kill more dreams and failure ever will, right? And so what I think you'll find is when you start to really look at your obstacles, they're just the unknown, you know, just things that you, you don't see, you don't understand. And, and once you understand those things, they're no longer obstacles and you're no longer afraid of it. And, and, and if you can read Deliver the Discomfort and kind of process that, I'll run. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, Jason, this has been an honor, man. It's been so much fun. Um, for you listeners, please, please, please go out, grab the book, Deliberate Discomfort. Uh, it's been an amazing, amazing read for me. Um, so many gems. We've heard about some of them here. There's there's 10 times more than that uh, in the book, so be sure to grab that. Um, Mission 6-0, Jason's company. Take a look at that for your leadership development needs and check out his website, mission60.com. That's it. Yep. Um, hit it up. And uh, Jason, we appreciate you being on, man. Thanks yeah. Thanks for doing this with me today. It, it was a lot of fun. It was awesome. Thanks, Doug, for having me. Appreciate it. Yep. COVID-19 pound. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Love it, man. Talk okay. soon.